Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at yet another brutal loss, this time to the Red Wings, and what needs to be changed in Winnipeg moving forward. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Welcome back to another Groundhog Day episode of Skates and Plates here. Oh, it just it feels like we're doing the same thing each and every show. I mean, Jets play an underwhelming opponent on the schedule. An underwhelming performance and effort and result shortly follow. I mean, I don't know where you want to rank this one. It, it wasn't the worst. I, I, I guess there's that. But it certainly was an ugly one for the Jets. Dropping that 3-1 decision to the Red Wings. And look, it, it's been over for a while, I think. But that was definitely the final nail on the coffin when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets playoff hopes. Especially with the Dallas Stars. Picking up an extra point and a loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday night. Eight points back. I think two games in hand. A game in hand or two games in hand for the Stars to go on top of that is over. The season is kaput. And in a way, it's fitting that it happens to a team like the Red Wings for the Winnipeg Jets. Because you could easily make the case that Detroit, for the past two months, has been the worst team in the NHL. Right, Montreal has been much more competitive. Arizona's winning games. Seattle's playing okay, but the Red Wings have been giving up seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven goals all over the place. <laughs> Yet they go into Winnipeg facing a Jets team that you know. Sure, the odds were completely stacked against them, but facing a Jets team that you would think would come out with a major effort to try to keep their season alive. And the Red Wings looked like the more intense, the more focused, the more interested in winning team. It's just mind-boggling that this happens time and time for the Jets over this last stretch of games here where they just don't look all that interested in being competitive. And sure, the Jets got off to a pretty good start. You know, the shot clock was definitely in their favor through the first 20 minutes. Thomas Grice made some nice saves. But I wouldn't say Grace goalie the Jets in this game. You know what I mean? He was good, but not outstanding. You know, Connor Hellebuck, we'll get to him a little bit later on, but Connor Hellebuck, 
arguably outplayed Grace on the night. Just, you know, unfortunately wasn't able to get a whole lot of support from his team. But outside of a few players, there was no bite whatsoever. No, no intensity from 95% of the Jets players in that game. And, and I mean, prime examples are the two goals given up by the Jets before the empty netter where, you know, Dubois... Who's normally been really solid so far this season, just kind of does a bit of a, a lazy flyby, allowing the Red Wings to get a shorty, and then the game-winning goal happened, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Those two shining examples of just things you don't see from a team that's fighting for their playoff lives generally, right? Like if you lose, if you lose a tight game, whatever. And I, I think Jets fans have kind of been in this mode for for most of this season complaining about what they see from their team and that look if, if you lose games but you work your ass off you battle hard but a bounce or two goes against you or you know what maybe it's just not your year when it comes to puck luck uh, you know this 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 but the effort is 100 there i think fans can somewhat live with that and stomach that at least but there's just so many times we see the winnipeg jets put out what 40 50 minutes of of questionable competitive attitude out there and it's beyond frustrating so you know I, I guess if you're going to look at a silver lining in that game against the Red Wings and, and I think there is one that, that came out of that it's the fact that there is absolutely no chance whatsoever no illusions about what this team is right there is no possible scenario where the Winnipeg Jets could sneak into the playoffs now you know, convince management and ownership that, hey, this is a, a core worth betting on once again. Let's run it all back next year and hope for a better result, right? Like, that, that is not on the table. And we've heard whispers for a while, but I guess that's just kind of the one positive to an embarrassing loss to unofficially end your season is that management's going to be, they're, they're going to be pissed off. <laughs> Let's face it, Chevy's going to be pissed that a team that came in with such high expectations is out of the playoffs for all intents and purposes before we even get to the end of April. It's it's not a spot that really I think anybody thought they would be in after the first 10 games of the year, but here we are. So, you know, if, if you want to try to pull a little bit of an optimistic viewpoint after an ugly, ugly loss like that, it's the fact that, hey, if you want change, change is coming. You don't you don't perform like the Jets have down the stretch here and just assume that everything's going to be all hunky-dory going into next season. So, a bit of a warped positive, but I think a positive as far as a long-term view nonetheless. And, and that, this also brings me to my other point that, you know, popped in my head when I joined Hustler on Winnipeg Sports Talk a little bit earlier uh, in the week, but... This has to be the worst season in Jets 2.0 history, right? Like, and I'm not talking the worst team. The first few years, clearly evidence of that, right? But as far as enjoyment, as far as failing to meet expectations, as far as frustrated as hell to watch, I don't know if a season really comes close to this one here. Because there was so much optimism going into the year. And, and you know what? The Jets came out of the gate and looked like they were going to find a way to answer that, right? It was the best start in franchise history. And then it's basically been a slow march to hell from that point on. 
And there's been some positives throughout the year. There's been some bright spots. I'm not saying it's been completely miserable. But I think when we look back on the year and look back at the rest of the campaigns that Jets 2.0 have had, this to me has been the one that's been the least enjoyable so far. And it's just really crazy to say out loud, especially with how talented and skilled this team is. But I got to say, this is this is the worst season in Jets 2.0 history. And again, not the worst team. I mean, the I almost want to call them the Thrashers because that's essentially what they were when they first came over. But while the team wasn't all that great the first, you know, let's just say three years back here in Winnipeg, that was pure honeymoon phase. Like everyone was just so jacked that they were back that there wasn't as much importance or expectations put on the team back then. And so there wasn't that much disappointment when they didn't make the playoffs the first few seasons back here in Winnipeg. So, I mean, I kind of push those aside. I don't really necessarily consider them as, you know, necessarily disappointing or, or frustrating seasons to watch. I mean, the only ones that that I think would really come close would be the season after the Jets made it to the conference finals. And even then, though, that was kind of more of a second half swoon than it was a tough season all around to watch, right? Because the Jets were in first place, I think, right before the calendar flipped. The team struggled. But even then, you know, they get into the playoffs and, and they gave the Stanley Cup champion Blues a pretty good series through five games at the very least, and, you know, maybe some better puck luck, they might have taken down the defending champs then. So, you know, that season was frustrating, but it, it wasn't necessarily a complete disappointment or disaster. This year, though, it, it just feels like it ticks off all the boxes, right? High expectations, maybe not necessarily to contend, but to get back into the postseason, maybe win a round and then see what happens. Combined with the fact that the team had major competitive flaws, poor defensive zone play once again, a coaching change that wasn't really a coaching change, and then some wasted performances from some of the guys that actually showed up for the majority of the season. And now they're kind of in no man's land once again, right? Where you're not bad enough to get a high pick, and you're not quite good enough to get into the postseason spot. You're looking at a mid-round, a mid-first round pick. There's no real prize at the end of the tunnel after a crappy season like the one we just had here in Winnipeg. So crazy to think that, you know, going back to the Pavlik years, going back to Buff and half, not half, most of the decor leaving town and, and leaving the Jets empty handed going into a season, that this would be the group that would deliver the most disappointing, unenjoyable frustrating season in Jets 2.0 history, but I, I just don't know how you can pick anything else but this year. And it's just going to be fascinating what the changes, what the shakeup is going to be because of that. Because obviously, if I see it, if you see it, if other fans see it, players see it, coaches, management, and most importantly, ownership sees that. And I don't think they're going to rest on their laurels especially with the potential of season tickets not being re-upped as quickly and as hungrily as they have been in the past. Obviously, a pandemic plays a big part in that. But I do think there is a fair amount of apathy and frustration and, and impatience that sit in with the fan base. And when that happens, for better or worse, that's when we see... Big time shakeups, big time changes 
with the team heading into the next season to try to create a little bit of positive momentum, a fresh brand new slate that tends to bring people back in droves. We'll see just exactly what the Winnipeg Jets have up their sleeves. Actually, we're going to get to maybe our, our first little potential off-season rumor later on in the episode. It's yeah, it's a bit of a doozy. Yeah, You want to talk about shakeups? This would certainly accomplish that. So we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on. We'll also talk about poor, poor Connor Hellebuck. I mean, a major bright spot on the Red Wings. Sure, it would be nice if Winnipeg could have uh, somebody like uh, 53 out there in the red and white. And then we'll talk about what happened on the game-winning goal and some of the some of the repercussions that could come from that. And, you know, why that goal, in a way, helps symbolize why the Winnipeg Jets are where they are this season. Uh, but before we do that... Let's give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings. I mean, you're not seeing a ton of fight from the Jets these days, but if you want to see a ton of fights, UFC 273 is up on a tap this weekend, a stack card. At DraftKings Sportsbook, which is the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a major, major deal for you, which we'll get to in just a sec. A reminder, though, if Sportsbook is not available in your state, province, country just yet, Millions of prizes are up for grabs every single day with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $5 on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So a few notes I want to get to from the game against the Red Wings before we move on to some bigger picture things. But the game-winning goal, obviously, stands out the most because it was the most important play and what at the time was a 1-1 hockey game. And of course it happens with the one main controversial lineup decision as far as who's in, who's out, Logan Stanley gets the call to play in the game. Billy Hanela comes out with Nate Schmidt coming off the COVID list. And even before that play, I thought Logan Stanley had himself a pretty rough game. And, and he hasn't really played all that sharp for, for quite some time now. Which makes the benching Billy Hanela decision even more egregious. Because he has been playing well. And you can see, you know, actual <laughs> improvement in Billy Hanela's game. The more minutes he gets, the more games that go by. And so it, it wasn't really, for me, even going into the game, it wasn't much of a decision at all. And I think playing Stanley over Hanela is not based in logic whatsoever. Uh, other than the fact that he's 6'7". Th that, that, to me, is the only reason why you'd play Logan Stanley over Vili Hanela at this point, having watched the two of them play over the past couple of weeks. But... What's the point of being six foot seven if you're not going to use it, right? And and that's what came to pass on the game-winning goal there, where a five foot nine AHLer who's played a handful of games in the show this season and in years past completely embarrasses Logan Stanley along the boards there, easily wins a puck battle that that really shouldn't be his to win. And then throws the puck out in front. And then, of course, in typical Jets fashion, Rasmussen, who scores the winner, doesn't get just one crack at it. He gets a second crack at it as everybody just kind of stands around and, you know, doesn't really do a whole lot of anything. If you're going to bench Billy Hanela 
you know, in part based on the fact that you want a physical, grittier element on your blue line in the game, then they can't lose a battle like that along the boards. Where, where the guy doesn't even really do anything all that special. He just kind of, I, I don't want to even necessarily say outworks, but he just outsmarts Logan Stanley on the play. And within a matter of a couple of seconds, he's able to go from, you know, poor body positioning to having the puck and throwing it out into a dangerous area, ultimately leading to the goal against. You know, Hainala would be absolutely crucified if he was the defenseman on that play and that puck ends up going into the back of the net. He might be a healthy scratch for, for 2023 <laughs> if, if he made an effort like Logan Stanley did on that play. Now, look, Stanley made an awful play. He's had a really, really rough season. I still think he can be a solid NHLer for the Jets, right? Like, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a Logan Stanley is done piece. You know what I mean? I think he could be a good third pair defenseman that kills penalties for you. And he's got a, you know, a hell of a shot to go along with it too. But it's more so just how often the Winnipeg Jets seemingly fail to evaluate their own players and put them in positions to succeed. Because in that situation there, we know Logan Stanley mishandles and, and misplays it there. But maybe if Vili Hanela is in instead of him, you know, he doesn't necessarily get out muscle or or play that one physically, but he's able to use his speed and use his smarts to get out of that situation with the puck on his stick, move it up the ice, and then the Winnipeg Jets can get back into the offensive zone to try to take the lead, right? Like, it doesn't have to be this, you either need size or you either need small puck-moving defensemen, right? It, it just comes down to play the best guy, and, and right now, Vili Hainala has been that for the Jets, and on top of it, you get the added boost of getting him more playing time and getting a better sense, too, of just what he could potentially be for the team next season. So it, w it was a move, a decision, playing Stanley over Hanela that I thought made no sense going into the game. And unfortunately for the Jets, it, it might have been the reason that they coughed up the two points, right? At, at the very least, it was the reason that they didn't get into extra time because that goal ultimately proved to be fatal for the team. Now, I'm going to be very intrigued to see if we do see a switch. Hanela goes in for Stanley in this upcoming game against the Avalanche on Friday. I mean, look, I, I think he should have been in this game to begin with against the Red Wings. For me, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the game against Colorado. But we've seen a quick leash for Billy Hanela in the past. Maybe a little bit more leeway has been given to Logan Stanley. Just, just curious to see... How Dave Lowry and the coaching staff handle this particular decision going into that game against, yeah, the best team in the NHL. The other thing with Stanley and, you know, talking about trying to get the best out of him, trying to see some improvement from him going into the next campaign. You know, I, I don't know if the Jets are going to be able to change his his composition. And, and it's something that I would like to see. And I think a lot of people would like to see more out of Logan Stanley you know, going forward is just the fact that he he, he too often plays like a gentle giant. He, he just doesn't have much of a mean streak in him. I mean, sure, he'll fight. You know, he's not afraid to, to drop the gloves or anything like that. But when it comes to going after guys and being physical and being aggressive, I find myself at least more times than not wanting a little more from Logan Stanley in that department. So it's, it's always tough to change the temperament of a player, right? Because so, some guys are just naturally aggressive. Other guys are and, and girls are, are passive and, and don't necessarily 
look to physicality as their first option, right? But I think that would do Logan Stanley's game a world of good. I think it makes people a little bit hesitant to go into a battle with them, especially a 5'9 AHLer from the Detroit Red Wings. So that's something that I think would be a, a quick and easy and massive improvement for him is just... Don't be afraid to don't be afraid to toss a few guys around all over the place, right? Like you're six foot seven, go out there and be six foot seven. Especially with Dylan Sandberg in the fold, healthy for next season. If we don't see a more assertive physical Logan Stanley next year, he's gonna be in a hell of a fight just to get playing time regularly on this team. So while the team really doesn't have a whole lot to play for right now, there's a ton of individual battles. You know, ways to improve your positioning on the depth chart going into next season that will still hold a ton of value for a number of Jets going into 2022-2023. So a bit of a rough night for the Jets defensemen. Not the case on the Detroit side of things. Because, my God, Maurice Sider is one hell of a player. I mean, that, the, the Jets should get a guy like Cider. That that would solve a lot of their issues, right? Just draft a guy like Cider. They're going to be fine moving forward. I, I mean, it's funny because I remember the draft that was actually Stevie Wise first draft with the Red Wings. That was his first draft pick. And it may be a little bit like, you know, Chevy and Mark Scheifele. A lot of people going, who, who the hell is this kid from Germany that you're drafting sixth overall? Yet he comes in and he just looks like a stud. And I, I know Bunting's been great for Toronto. You know, Zegers has been great for Anaheim. There's a few other guys on the Calder ballot that I think deserve a decent amount of praise. But I don't know if anybody, and I don't know if it's been all that close either, is, has been anywhere as good and impactful as Maurice Sider has this season for the Red Wings. He is just a special, special player. And his ceiling is absolutely through the roof. And to be honest, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked to see him get a couple Norris votes either. You know, nothing like first, second, or third. But he might he might make a couple ballots this year. I mean, for me, for me, he's a top 10 defenseman in the league already. And I wonder where and just how high he's going to be, say, three, four years from now. I mean, the Red Wings got an absolute beauty with that pick. Raymond, too. Lucas Raymond has been really good, and he looked good in the game against the Jets as well. There, there's some pretty solid building blocks out there for the Red Wings. There's, you know, still a fair bit to go, but when you got a stud number one guy like Sider on the back end, you know, Larkin has been great this season down the middle, and then Raymond out there on the wings. They're, they're starting to get some elite talent out there in Detroit. Just need a little bit of lottery luck here. And maybe that could be the final puzzle piece for them as they try to get back into contention in the absolutely cutthroat Atlantic Division. The final piece from the game that I want to mention quickly is just quite simply this. Poor, poor Connor Hellebuck. I mean, you can, there's no doubt that, you know, maybe Blake Wheeler might be the only other guy that comes close, but nobody on the Jets wears these losses as hard as Connor Hellebuck does. And it hasn't been the greatest season by his standards, but he's still been good. And I think his game has really, really elevated in this past month here. He just hasn't gotten a whole lot of help from his teammates. And in this game, specifically against the Red Wings, basically got no support, either offensively or defensively in this one. And it just sucks. It sucks because you look at his face after these games, and it just looks like he dies each time this team loses. And I just feel for the guy. 
especially on your bobblehead night. On your bobblehead night, you should get a little bit more help from your teammates. But just especially in this last little stretch here, he's just he just looks devastated out there. And it, and it sucks to see because he's carried this team for at least three seasons now. And you hope that for a guy that's as competitive as Connor Hellebuck, that it hasn't worn on him to the point that, you know, he gives a bit of an ultimatum to the team, right? And say, hey, if you're not going to improve things here, I, I can go find a different place to play. You know what I mean? And, and there's only a few more years left in his contract to go as well. So... It's kind of scary when when you talk about Hellebuck and his future with the team and that they've only got a few more years, A, of of him under contract first, but B, paying him $6 million where he should be getting, you know, $9, $10 million a year. But if you're not competitive real soon here, for a guy that's, you know, going to be headed into his 30s pretty soon, you know, he's going to try to find a place to win. So there's a lot of pressure on the Jets here to to turn this thing around quickly, right? I know a lot of people are saying, rebuild, blow it up, blow it up, move everybody out. And, and, and that's great and easy to say. But I'll tell you what, if, if you go that route, then the blow, out, the blow up includes Connor Hellebuck moving out of town. Because I don't think he's going to just sit back and accept a rebuild when he's only got a few more years left on his contract. So just just keep that in mind here. I, I, think, I think there is a lot of heat on management to find a way to turn this thing around quick to make sure that, you know, your best player, your franchise, wants to stick around for more than a couple of seasons after this one. Which kind of leads me into our final point of the episode here. Because, you know, we've been talking about changes, we've been talking about shakeups, all that. It's been, and it's going to be the major topic headed into the offseason, which unfortunately is going to start in just a couple weeks' time. But I did want to pass this little rumor or tidbit along here. In case you missed it, and you might have because it came out a little bit late Thursday night. But David Pagnotta of the fourth period, who's well tuned in. You know, we've had him on, had him on, <laughs> had him on TSN 1290 on the big show a, a number of times. He's really, really well tuned in and plugged in. He made the report that the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be extremely active this offseason. And the main goal appears to be acquiring high-end talent down the middle. A few free agent names were thrown out there and Nazem Kadri and Vincent Trocek. Not exciting. But the real juicy part came when talking about the trade market. Because the Winnipeg Jets were the first team brought up as a potential trade partner with the Philadelphia Flyers to acquire that high-end, high-skill number one, number two sentiment, whatever you want to call it. And the name Mark Shifley was thrown out there. Now, Pierre-Luc Dubois was thrown out there too, as kind of an aside, more speculation, but, you know, with his RFA status, I I guess there's a bit of unknown when it comes to, you know, his long-term status with the Jets, but that, that wasn't really the point of the piece here. The main thing was that the Winnipeg Jets, according to David Pagnotta, looking to make a major shakeup this offseason, and that Mark Shifley could be the main piece that the Jets look to move to bring in talent and a bit of a fresh start elsewhere on their roster. It's the first time, to my knowledge, we've seen the Jets, Shifley, and another team connected in a potential trade rumor. So it just, you know, obviously pops out to me that this might be, not might be, this will be the first of many rumors we hear 
regarding the Jets and Mark Shifley this upcoming offseason. But I, I'm more curious to hear what Jets fans have to say about that potential idea that the Winnipeg Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers could be potential trade partners if the Jets decide to move on from Mark Shifley. Now, I'll say this quickly before we wrap up here. Would love to get to your, your takes and your comments and your thoughts on this for our next episode on Tuesday morning. So again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. But two things here. One, the Jets and Flyers have a bit of a trade history, both in deals done and, and deals not done in the past. Obviously, the Jets traded Kevin Hayes' rights to the Flyers for a draft pick. The Flyers signed him to that ridiculous contract. So there was an actual deal done there. But I I can say from a, a source that I, that I trust that's a little bit high up with the Winnipeg Jets in the past that the Jets and Flyers went pretty deep down the trade path when it came to Patrick Laine before ultimately making the move to send him to Columbus. That... You know, before the season at the draft, the Jets and Flyers were pretty damn close to trading Patrick Laine in a package that involved a certain defenseman from the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'll, I'll just say that. So there is there is history between these two teams, and there is a bit of history when it comes to some potential interest from Kevin Chevalier and certain members of the Philadelphia Flyers. So I mean that that that's the first thing that jumped to my head is that hey, people will say it's just a rumor. You're gonna hear this, this, and that. But the fact that we've had a little bit of tangible proof in the past that these two teams do generally do a little bit of talking with each other kind of leads me to believe that you know, it might not be all that far off to see a big blockbuster deal happen between those two teams. But then the second thing would be just what that trade might look like. And looking at the Flyers roster, looking at what they need, looking at what the Jets need. I mean, look, I'll, I'll just get this out of the way first. The Flyers are not trading Sean Couturier for Mark Shifley, right? I mean, there, there's a decent chance Couturier is going to be the captain of the of the Flyers going into next season. So anybody that has the the Couturier for Shifley swap in their minds, I would probably just push that one to the side, and, and it's, it's not going to happen. But I do wonder if there might be a little bit something to a Shifley for Ivan Provorov swap. And you know that I've mentioned on this show a number of times that the Winnipeg Jets' biggest need when it comes to player personnel is that number one stud defenseman. And I think the Winnipeg Jets feel, maybe not as strongly as I do, but I I, I do feel like they think that is an area of need with their team. So I do wonder if that could be the the starting point of a trade. I, I don't know the other pieces that would need to be thrown in on, you know, what, whatever it is, but... If you're talking about the basic framework of a deal, maybe there is something to be had when it comes to Mark Shifley going one way, Ivan Provorov going back the other way. The Jets obviously would need to fill a major hole down the middle in a deal like that, but they would fill a major hole on their back end with a guy like Ivan Provorov, who you know has had a, a pretty rough season by his standards, but he has shown in the past that he can be a pretty impactful defenseman. The interesting part, too, is that both of those, both Provorov and Shifley, have have nearly identical salaries. So we hear all the time, which I think it's a crap excuse, but we hear all the time GM say, you know, it's got to be dollar in, dollar out in a hard cap world. You know, this would be one of those trades where dollar in, dollar out, high in talent one way, high in talent the other way. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see we'll see where this one goes. But 
just a little bit of interesting, an interesting thought process to wrap up this episode here and maybe get a sense of what's out there. If you're going to move Mark Scheifele this offseason, what the Jets could get back at a trade. And I wonder if once fans hear about some of the potential returns, if maybe they're a little more reluctant to move on from a point of game centerman. Maybe they're a little bit more inclined to try to work and try to motivate and try to get the most defensively out of Mark Scheifele if the return isn't all that overwhelming. Or maybe the, maybe the deal for, you know, a pro for Scheifele works for a lot of people, right? I'm just, it, there's a lot of ways this is going to go this offseason. we got a long way to go. But to me, it's kind of the first official trade rumor when it comes to the Jets, Scheifele, and another team here. So would love to know what you guys think. If that's something that works for you, if that's an absolute no-no, and better luck next year. But we're, we're going to get a bunch of these over the next couple of months. So there it is. The first one officially out of the gates. The Philadelphia Flyers are apparently in the mix and, and looking for somebody in the mold of a Mark Shifley. We'll see if the Winnipeg Jets want to go down that road as well. But that's going to do it for the episode here. Thank you guys so much for listening once again here to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll be back at it. Tuesday morning, and it'll be a bit of a busy episode as well because three games will have transpired for the Winnipeg Jets from now until our next episode. Obviously, the nightmare matchup against the Avalanche on Friday is followed by a back-to-back against Ottawa and Montreal. So tons of hockey, tons of Jets action to get to when we get back to this after the weekend. But until then, again, thank you guys so much for listening once again. To another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it on Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, everybody. Watch some golf as well. Peace.